Greetings, Game Cola Faithful, and welcome to podcast number 36. Yes, we're on our 36th podcast. With me today is Paul Franzen, Nathaniel Hoover, and Christian Porter, longtime Game Cola podcast veterans. Everyone, introduce yourselves for those who may not have listened to the other 35 podcasts. Hi, I'm not Christian Porter. In the order of Paul Franz and Nathaniel Hoover and Christian Porter, please introduce yourselves. <laughs> we should just do that beforehand. Set the order. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Paul Franzen. I'm Game Cola's founder and editor-in-chief. Uh, I write the column Minus the Pudding, the best of Xbox Live indie games, and I off and on update the news section with stuff that I'm interested in. Nathaniel. Hi, I'm playing progress quest i'm nathaniel hoover i write the flash flood column that hasn't appeared on game cola for a good long time and do the sprite flicker comic which also hasn't been on game cola for a while and i write about videos and other things that people don't read it's awesome and i'm christian porter i uh i went to pax out of the courtesy out of the kindness of my heart for game cola and i haven't written a whole lot since how was that it was fun it was uh, very large and a good time with a lot of lines, but fun. Yeah, you got uh, some hands-on time with the 3DS, correct? I did, although now I guess a lot of other people have, too. Yes. But <laughs> I, uh, I went there, I played it, got the headache, didn't care. Wow, how was it? What did you play? I played Pilot Wings Resort. Whoa, 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 Pilot Wings. It was boring, <laughs> which is kind of sad because I played the light plane and the rocket belt. And truth be told, I don't know if I was in the menu or if I was playing the game. I was just kind of flying around an island, and it was the 3D looked great, but it uh, it was boring. Wow, that, I I feel like that's uh, the story with a lot of the, the 3DS launch titles. Yeah, the 3D is great, but the game is boring. That that seems to be it. I kind of wish they let me check out the uh, those AR things that they have. I'm yeah. interested in that. I'm curious about it. Assault rifles? Assault rifles. They have Nintendo assault rifles. Whoa. Yeah, Nintendo's trying to get away from their kitty image. They're actually including, like, an actual assault rifle with each system. Wow. They want to appeal to the gang market. They realize they've tapped, like, soccer moms, old people, young people, but the crypt demographic hasn't really been tapped. The 3DS. (laughs) So could you explain to me how this three dimensions work? Works... And, and grammar while you're at it? <laughs> Explain grammar to him. Uh, because I, I've seen a couple of pictures of the unit itself, and mm. I don't see any 3D glasses, and my brain can't handle any other form of three dimensions. So please, explain how it works. It, I have to admit, it works like magic. It works really well. <laughs> it just pops right out at you. It's like looking into a diorama. That makes perfect sense. Do you stare wow. between the screens, or are you just looking at the one screen? The top screen's the only one in 3D. Okay. And, and it, it You it just look at that. At yeah, and it's just popping out. It's like you're playing inside a diorama. Okay, see, that helps, because this entire time I was looking at the two screens and thinking that there was some sort of nonsensical, you, you bend the system in a certain way and unfold it halfway, and then you look at the bottom screen and the top screen at the same time. And the, or it's like a magic eye. The effect. It, I, I don't know exactly how it works. It worked. Very well, though, but thankfully there is a button to turn it off, though, which I'd imagine at this point in time is probably where most of them are because everyone else has decided they don't want to get massive headaches. The 3DS. So it actually does have 3D. It actually does. Wow. 
Well, uh, Jetty, before we get uh, too much further, I believe uh, we skipped over something here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Somebody actually emailed us. Wow. Yay. Somebody actually emailed podcast at gamecola.net. They emailed podcast at gamecola.net, and because they emailed us at podcast at gamecola.net, we're going to read it live on the podcast. Wait, how did they get it to you? How did they get this, like, communication to you? They went on their computer, they opened Mm -hmm. their email client, and then they emailed podcast at gamecola.net. Well, I'll be damned. I know, right? No one else has seemed to have uh, realized this. It's amazing what computers can do these days. I know, right? Alright, here's our first ever actual legitimate email. It comes to us from RizzyMan33, who we've actually heard from before on the uh, GameCola YouTube page. And he writes, Hey there, GameCola staff. RizzyMan33 here. And I have an idea to make your podcasts a little more interesting. My sister also has one, too. My idea. You guys can stage an argument... And use the Ace Attorney quotes. Objection, hold it, take that, gotcha, eureka, and not so fast. It might bring a whole lot more viewers and actually make your followers listen to the entire podcast. Thanks. Oh. I really don't know what to say to that because part of it was, hey, maybe this will make it better because it sucks now. Well, it's not like we haven't said that ourselves before. That's true. <laughs> I'm not but saying Why haven't we done anything about it? If we're saying it ourselves, why haven't we done anything? (laughs) We totally did. We changed the whole format of the podcast. I love it. I think it's great. And actually, um, I I actually received an email to that effect as well in my own personal account. Whoa. But before I get to that, let me uh, finish Rizzyman's email. So that was his idea. Uh, His sister idea was, well, hi. (laughs) My idea... My idea is that all of you say your favorite games and have a discussion on how it related or relates to you now. Then have a debate on which game rules as Game Cola's favorite. Then you might get some viewers. <laughs> I don't know if I like the tone of this email. <laughs> then maybe someone will give a rat's ass about you. I'll have I'll have you all know that I was just looking at uh, the YouTube channel earlier today to see how many views the podcast the last podcast got there. It was up to, like, 40. That's right. Sorry, half of those were just me refreshing the page. Fine, it was up to 20. Oh, also, thanks, Mom and Dad, uh, for always watching the Game Cold podcast on YouTube. So that's that. Um, do, do we, do we li- Would we like to discuss this further? Uh, our favorite games and how they relate to us now? I guess, is the assumption there Didn't that our favorite already... games are necessarily well, we can't older very games? Well get our, we, very, we can't very well get our first email and then say, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Objection! But didn't we hey, already discuss the, first part. the top 50 ways to talk over Nathaniel when he's trying to mumble? <laughs> didn't we already discuss the top 50 games that GameCola top 50 at one point? That was like a year ago. Mm. Yes. Well, see, I, I think they're saying a little more in-depth. Uh, and on a personal know, level, too, like I actually, think they're yeah. looking for. Actually, I believe the discussion uh, following that list, spoiler alert, uh, the the game that the whole staff voted as number one of all time uh, was Portal. And I believe uh, the discussion following that was that practically nobody said that Portal was their personal favorite game of all time. It no, just, actually, nobody said it. Nobody? It not, okay. That's it wasn't number one on anyone's list. 
but it was top five on a lot. So right now, what's everyone's favorite game? Go. Chrono Chrono Trigger. (laughs) Christian. Earthbound. Jetty. What is my favorite game? We could probably look it up for you. Cheetah Men 2. (laughs) Show and (laughs) Iggy. Wait, I think it was Water Closet, right? It's a Water Closet game. Thanks. No, actually, it's been a long time since I thought about it. I would probably say, uh, let's go with Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, interesting choice. Yeah, it's a classy game. Uh, and as for me, um, I don't actually, I think this is what I voted for in our in our ranking last year. Um, Curse of Monkey Island. Probably not a big surprise to anyone. Really? <laughs> it did rank higher than Phoenix Wright. Take that! Well, now I guess it's time to argue because we're all a bunch of alpha males here. Mine's better. No, no me. Earth See, it would be stupid. worth arguing over if one of us had said Chrono Trigger and the other one had said Final Fantasy VI, games that typically are at odds for the number one spot. Yeah. But these are all things that we could very easily have put on our top five list together, and no one would say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel like people would say something about mine. I, I, well, I explain think... it to us, Paul. How does it relate to you? How does it relate to me? Well, that was the question. Yeah, it was the original question, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. How, how do you how do you think that's meant? How do, does it relate to me? I play it, and I like it. I never really well, have understood questions like that a lot of times because I, I don't know. It's like an interview question. It. Like, yeah, it what is. does the game mean to me in my life? Like, uh, <laughs> nothing. I mean, I, it's a game that I really enjoyed. <laughs> well, here, it's here, Paul. Well. While you're flailing, Paul, let me jump in because uh, I can actually answer this for Chrono Trigger uh, because Chrono Trigger is really everything that I look for in a video game that it's got memorable characters and character designs and bosses. It's got a fair, solid challenge that continues to grow as the game progresses. It's got a great learning curve. It's highly replayable. Um, so all of these things are just in general, and fantastic music, wonderful graphics that still hold up today. Uh, just all around things that I look for in a video game, but on a story level, I am very much into science fiction. I think time travel is a very cool concept. I am very much into the, I don't know about the the ragtag band of heroes, but the the sort of unconventional heroes that Chrono Trigger brings out. These people are so different that you have a cavewoman alongside a science nut, alongside the silent swordsman, um, and all of these other characters that are running around together. And the the story... Uh, when I when I first played the game, when it, back when I was in uh, elementary or middle school, somewhere around there, uh, long time ago, not so long, I just I fell in love with this story because it was the first game that I remember that actually made me care about the characters and be genuinely interested in what happens to them. So, to me, that's yeah, that's that's the, the meaning of how it relates to me. You mean. You're not interested in what happens to Mario and the princess? I never liked Mario all that much. I mean, I've liked some of the games that came after the first one, but I was never a huge Mario fan. Wait, are you talking about, you're talking Mario the character, or? In general, yeah. I have a deep emotional bond, and to me it is very important that he go to that other castle and find the princess. I actually always liked Luigi better. Yes! 
In fact, to the to the point where uh, when I would play uh, Mario World when I, Mario World, which is how I pronounce it, <laughs> out in Paul Land, <laughs> over here in Mario World, uh, when I used to play that, I would actually uh, start the game with both characters, and I would get Mario killed off immediately, so I could just play as Luigi. Because you're a <laughs> wonderful person. <laughs> and I think I just liked it because he was green. I don't wow. think it really went any deeper than that. But see, uh, I have to agree with Nathan that... Uh, what? Who? Who are we letting on to He this meant the Hoover Dam, I believe. Nathaniel, sorry. Nate, if you will. <laughs> and dog. And hooves. And dog's past. The hoofmeister. Oh. We can go with end dog. Uh, Nathaniel. I agree with Nathaniel. Oh. That this would be more interesting if we had a bunch of people who really liked RPGs, because those tend to actually have characters that you care about and such. I mean, if we remember, uh, was it the last podcast that uh, somebody said something about Final Fantasy VII? Uh, we had a letter about that, I believe. The end of disc one will make you cry? Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, it totally didn't for me, but that's just because it, it was all spoiled to me like five years before I even started playing it. <laughs> Well, you mean the part about Aerith dying? I unmuted my microphone just to go blah on you. I actually can't get sad at that part anymore because I noticed an error in it, and it bugs me every time I see it. Yeah. That that little pond that he's in that he lays Aerith's yeah. uh, body to rest in, he like kind of walks into it. It's like ankle deep, and he puts her in. And then they sh- uh, cut to that scene where the camera is like 20,000 leaves under it, <laughs> shooting up at her, and he's nowhere to be seen. It's not ankle deep anymore. It's like the ocean. So I just look at that. Maybe it's my film school dork in me, but it bugs me now every time I see it. Well then. Um, before before we uh, move on to the next topic, um, I just wanted to quickly breeze through the other couple of... Uh, Comments and letters and whatnot that we received. Did they come to podcast a game cool on that? No, but as I stated, I received one in my personal email account. Ooh. Um, this was actually part of a, a longer email uh, relating to other parts of the site, but I just wanted to read this excerpt from it because I thought it was kind of nice. Uh, also, <clears throat> also, I wanted to say that I've been listening to the podcast a lot lately. I have like an hour and a half drive to and from work each day, so podcasts. And I think it's been really coming on nice lately, especially the last dozen or so. It's sounding great. Listening to the podcast in the car makes me feel like I almost have friends. We love you. Almost. <laughs> I just thought that was that was a really sweet thing for that person to say. Yeah. So so thank you, uh, anonymous game cola reader slash writer. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, next, there was a comment on the YouTube page I wanted to uh, to just briefly uh, discuss. Uh, this is from Argolfump. Uh, who is actually Michael Gray. I can edit that out. <laughs> this is from Argolfump, period. <clears throat> uh, he he was uh, talking about the... Uh, we, we we discussed episodic gaming in the last podcast. Uh, he wants to know, can the Phoenix Wright games be considered episodic? I think the second one can, but I'm not so sure about the others. Uh, and I would, I would disagree about that. I think uh, when you're talking about an episodic game specifically, you're talking about a game that has been really broken up into a bunch of different chunks, and each chunk is, is sold separately as its own game. Whereas um, with, for example, the second Phoenix Wright game, it ha- it is broken up into those different chunks, but they're all still like one package. They're all still one game. But that just has to do with the business model of it, of breaking it up and selling it separately. 
Phoenix Wright, the Phoenix Wright games are broken up into episodes, and if you buy the CD or the DVD package of Tales of Monkey Island or Sam and Max or what have you, those the way you're buying them are still broken up into episodes that are as related or unrelated to each other as any of the Phoenix Wright episodes. So if you look at the game as a whole and completely ignore the way that it's being sold piece by piece or not being sold piece by piece, then they're both episodic games, very similar to each other. Yeah, I mean, my my understanding of the term episodic, and I could be wrong, is that that's, that's actually what it's describing, is the business model of releasing it in chunks at every uh, X number of months. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe like Tales of Monkey Island right now might not even be considered an episodic game anymore. It was released episodically, but now it's just a game. I'd say I'd say it probably still is. It, it was originally supposed to be episodic. I don't think it stops being episodic once they put it all into disc. It's just that there's now another way to buy them. Okay. But it, I think it does. It, it just uh, really refers to that business model. Yeah. I mean, it made sense that you both right. I mean, just looking at the term, it would make sense to say that Phoenix Wright is an episodic game. I mean, it is clearly broken up into specific episodes, but I I, I, I do think that it's the release schedule that makes it episodic. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, um, one more one more comment. Uh, this is from Facebook user Justin. Uh, this is a comment on our po- uh, podcast when I posted it onto Facebook. First. Okay. That's, uh... That, that's posted by uh, GC.net on the GC.net channel. I actually have a reason that I mention this, and that is because I, I, I could be wrong, but I'm not sure we have ever gotten a first comment before. <laughs> I don't think we have. So he's the first in many, many I, ways. I think he, Justin, you are the first first. So congratulations. Wow. That must be really hard to get, too, because I think in just seconds after we put those up, there's, what, like uh, 500 or so comments? Usually. On other I'm videos on the internet. I I believe we've crashed Facebook a few times. Once or twice. We actually did crash uh, GameCola.net a couple weeks ago when we had too many oh, yeah? users. When uh, really? LucasArts uh, mentioned us in a tweet, we got flooded Whoa. and the server went down. <laughs> awesome. Yikes. Not awesome for the server going down, but awesome for the increase yeah, in that hits. was pretty cool. They were uh, linking uh, to our year-end awards article. Oh, <laughs> I should have bought some ad space there. 39 cents they, no, were, they were very happy that we said Monkey Island 2 was the best remake so that's that's the comments uh, I, I think Jetty mentioned this before remind me again how people can get in touch with us if they want to say anything, tell us anything about the show leave a comment on the post well Paul there are many ways that you can comment on the Game Cola podcast you can email leave a comment us on the post. I think Nathaniel is suggesting that we should move on. Email podcast at gamecola.net. All right, now someone give us a topic. Nathaniel. Posting comments on posts. <laughs> Actually, here's one that I completely made up as soon as we were starting to talk about the topics that we might have for the podcast. What game or games do you think would have been better as a totally different genre? Personally, I think King's Quest Eight would have been a lot better if it was an adventure game. I might also say the same thing about Monkey Island 4, but not as much. In fact, I would go as far as to say we could probably say any video game, and you'd agree. <laughs> well, King's Quest at least is supposed to be an adventure game. Then the eighth one was like, uh, I, I only played you know an hour of it. I believe it was about walking around hitting chickens with swords. <laughs> as much as I'm into that. 
hey, it's great in Zelda, but uh, games that would be better if they were a different genre. And the reason I bring this up is when I played Final Fantasy VIII, and I feel like I've talked about Final Fantasy VIII on the podcast before. I'm not the world's biggest Final Fantasy fan, but I still play them anyhow, which is actually another topic of games that you play and you're not sure why you keep playing them. But I digress. Final Fantasy VIII, I thought, would be not not as good as an RPG. It would be much better as an action-based adventure game because there were so many sections that had... um, The one that I'm thinking of in particular is where you're hanging... In the air, like you're dangling from something, I don't remember what, a balloon or a floating hog, I can't even think of what it is, and there's a guard or a villain, you're hanging in the air with a bad guy, and you're just punching and kicking each other, and this was this sort of action-adventure scene, kind of like the end of Space Quest Three. you've got this robot battle where you're just sort of rock'em sock'em robots punching each other, and that's the kind of thing that I was thinking of, I said, this doesn't belong in an RPG, this would be much better as an adventure game, and there were several, just the way Final Fantasy VIII was was visually, a lot of the scenes looked like some of the classier adventure games, uh, just the sort of the, the look of it, um, the, the hand-drawn art scanned in background kind of a feel to it. And I just – I kept getting this vibe that, yeah, we can customize our characters and we fight all these random battles, but so much of this would be better as an action adventure game. Well, but I think that can kind of be said about any turn-based RPG in modern times. You could – probably have a more fun game if it was action-based as opposed to turn-based. Like well, no, 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 that's, that's not what I mean, though. Um, not action-based as in Tales of Symphonia, for example, where it's just active time, you're button-mashing, not where it's uh, part fighter that's combined with RPG elements, but I mean action game sort of um, where you have, I don't know, like fighting-oriented Mario Party mini games as as the <laughs> standard. Uh, Gemini Rue is a perfect example of something that has an action slant to the adventure game. Uh, some of you may recall that I just reviewed this game on Game Cola not too long ago called Gemini Rue, and it is a new adventure game that is styled as some of the adventure games of the 90s, and it's standard point-and-click adventure game, and the difference is that there is gun combat, where you duck behind cover, and then you peek out, and then fire at enemies, or get your head blown off. And this is an action-oriented section that is not something that you would typically have in an RPG. You know, you wouldn't have you know, Luca ducking behind a barrel and then popping out and firing a few shots and, you know, holding your breath for a headshot or anything like that. Um, it, it would flow differently in an RPG, but sort of action challenges with adventuring between them. That's what I'm talking about. Interesting. The things they do with video games these days. The things they don't do with video games these days. That's true. The silence I will be cutting out of the podcast. Hooray! I don't know. We're almost done. I don't. I don't have anything interesting to say. All I have are, are pithy things. Like I think all RP, turn-based RPGs would be better if they were more actiony. But that doesn't Ooh. really help the discussion very much. And I think but I already see, said Paul, that. Paul, the the difference is that turn-based. If it's turn-based done well with challenge with enemies that aren't just the same enemy over and over again, if there's actually uh, another reason why I like Chrono Trigger is that there's enough variation in the enemies that it doesn't feel like you're doing the same battle every five seconds. But with turn-based, <laughs> with turn-based, I've never, I've never played. I have never played a game with turn-based combat that I found engaging. That's fine, but that's a problem with me personally. Strategy for the turn-based to make any be any fun, mm. Paul. Eh. I don't know. I, I think, and this is this isn't really what you're 
topic is anymore. But um, what I dislike the most is not, I mean, not even so much the battles. Like, I usually do get into the boss battles in turn-based RPGs, but it's just having to fight a little tiny battle every, you know, ten seconds that drives me nuts. That is the biggest complaint that so people that's, have. So that's actually the something great games. that Connor Trigger did uh, in Earthbound too, which we were talking about a little earlier. Earlier is that uh, it's a lot easier to avoid the little dinky encounters if you don't want to do them. Yeah, because they're they're physically there. You can actually avoid yeah. them if you want. Yeah. And Earthbound is kind enough that if you're super strong and they're super weak, they're not going to waste yes. your time. They just immediately what? say you win. And Earthbound gives you the extra advantage. You can use a skip sandwich to run faster or even use the teleport spell oh, to your advantage for? to swing around people. Yeah, <laughs> And then you swing around them and then catch them by surprise and beat them over the head and yeah. one hit kill them. So there's, there's additional fun strategy that you can have if you're really goofing around with it. Well, back to the topic. <laughs> if uh, I thought of one. I thought of a game that would be better if it switched genres. And Tetris. I'm thinking... Uh, oh. Tetris should be a first-person shooter. Well, I mean, really, everything should be a first-person shooter. Uh, why do we even play be? other games? Why do we even bother? I'm just no, kidding. Um, Super Star Wars should be should have been a turn-based RPG. <laughs> I always wanted a Star Wars turn-based RPG because I thought the storyline would fit it so well. Well, you've got Knights of the Old Republic. I guess Wait, that does is. Does that count as turn-based combat? Because I love that game. Totally does. Does it? That was, yeah, that was like still the, a little the, more actiony, though. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's a little more way. actiony, but it happens. It happens in real time. It's not just I'm mashing buttons and attacking again, like Tales of Symphonia, which is one of the only action RPGs I've ever played. But they, it is turn-based. Um, you do need to wait for someone to do another thing. It just happens very quickly. There's not a large wait time. I liked that one. That they did it well. Whatever they did in that one, I don't remember. It's been years, but I very much enjoyed that game. Well, what they did with Knights of the Old Republic was they gave you the option to pause after every turn so you could strategize or just let your players run out on autopilot and then occasionally tell them, oh, wait, you should throw a grenade. No, really, throw a grenade. Okay, stop shooting at them. Throw a grenade. You can do that. (laughs) Anyone else have any exciting changes in genre to make? No, okay. So then my other topic, while we're not talking about anything in particular, (laughs) was games that you keep playing even though you know you really don't want to waste your time on this game anymore. That's like every game I play. But I always invest so much time into it at first before I realize I don't like it that I'm like, well, hell, I can't just stop it. Exactly the same way. Yeah, you you get to that point where you're like, oh, God, I'm I'm not having fun, but... I'm so far, I just want to see how the stupid game ends. I just had that uh, problem. I was playing this uh, FMV indie game on Xbox called uh, Sword and Hammer, where it had it had a very Heavy Rain-esque uh, gameplay where it would just flash on the screen what button you had to push, and then you had to push it. Um, but the great thing about this game was um, it was live-action FMV. They recorded, I believe, maybe four different scenes and then looped them. <laughs> so I would have a sword fight, and I'd have to push X, and then Y, and then B, and then I would win. And then it would show me the same exact sword fight, and then I'd have to do it again. Um, but I got, I got like, halfway through that game, and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever played in my life. This is this is the opposite of fun, but I've, I've already spent ten minutes on this game. I need to see how it ends. <laughs> uh, and then I died, and then I decided not to. Yeah, I have an unfortunate combination of needing to see the end of crappy games, but also a really poor attention span. 
So I'll be like, yeah, I want to finish that game. I want to finish it, even though I don't. But then I won't. So <laughs> I, I don't even know. I guess it works out in my advantage. It's I good think- for me because I ultimately become a more a better versed, a more well versed gamer by playing through these games because otherwise I just have this whole huge backlog of games that I had gotten 10, 20, 30 minutes into and just left. And so I'd keep breezing through things and never actually have enough material played for me to talk competently about any of the games that I'd sort of played. I've been forcing myself to play more because that's exactly what I do. I've been forcing myself to play like maybe one or two games at a time. And then move on once I beat one. I'm also a completionist, and it makes it really difficult to just stop in the middle of a game. See, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as much. I'm, I'll, I'll do what I feel is fun, and I'll try to collect a lot of things if I can, but usually I'm just too lazy. I can't be bothered. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, sword and hammer aside, I've actually gone uh, kind of the opposite direction. Like, if a game, if I'm not having fun, like an hour into a game, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is this is boring. Why am I wasting my time? I'll just stop playing it and then uh, trade it on Guzex and get something else instead. I'm I've in my in my old age I have much less patience for games than I used to. And and if a game doesn't grab me pretty much right away, I I I won't bother playing it that much longer. Uh, and on the other hand, if I get uh, a lot of the way through a game and I am having fun, but I get to the point where uh, it's 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 too hard, then I will watch the rest of it on YouTube. I have done that, yeah. So I'm not really completionist at all. (laughs) I have a friend who kept getting to the last stage or the last boss of a video game and then just stopping and never going back to it. (laughs) So it was my personal project for a little while there to just sit down and say, okay, we're finishing Metroid Prime tonight. I don't know. It's it's just – it's hard to motivate me to do stuff like that because, like, once I I recognize that I'm actively not having fun or not interested in a game – I realize that there are other things that I could be doing that I, I would be interested in that I would enjoy doing or mm-hmm. uh, productive things that I could be doing, and I, then I just I have zero motivation to keep playing that game. I did that with Assassin's Creed. I got all the way through it to the very end, and at the very end, they decided before this last, like, probably one of the last boss battles, they have a horde of, like, a hundred or so people just come right after you and try to kill you. And they succeed. They succeed pretty often. In fact, every time I played. And after dying like 30 times, I was like, I don't ever want to play this again. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume this is the ending. He dies. What's been getting me caught up, at least on the games that I've been playing for the past year or two, is that anytime I start to really get into a game and enjoy it, or even if I'm not enjoying it but it's going quickly enough, then there are side quests then there's optional material that I, I want to at least try out, but again, being the completionist that I am, I feel like if it is within my grasp, I might as well at least do it, especially when it's a game that I know I'm never going to come back and play again because I just mm-hmm. I don't like it that much or I like it well enough but not enough to play it instead of anything else that I own. Uh, Wario Land 4 is a perfect example of this where I beat the game and it was okay. It was better than 2, which is the other one that I had played. I enjoyed it more. But then there's, oh, you just unlocked hard mode, which is exactly <laughs> the same as normal mode, but slightly different. I said, well, if I'm ever going to mark this off of my backloggery where I've recorded every game that I own and my progress through it, I'm going to need to do this now because I will never pick this up again. I'm never going to remember where all of the secrets are and what to do. So I might as well. And I sat down and I worked toward it for a while. And then eventually I did give up and it felt really, really bad. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't have that problem at all. <laughs> Lucky man. <laughs> um, I almost never do any side quests in any video game. Unless, unless I know for a fact that it's really going to entertain me or that there's something really, really good at the end of it, um, I don't care. With yeah. the few exceptions being, um, in the, the, both of the Death Spank games, I did almost every quest in those that I could. And I, I don't, I have no idea why. I don't know what, what compelled me to do that. Well, here's another question. What side quests have we done recently that have been completely worth the time or that have been such a horrible, miserable waste of time that we want to invent a time machine just so we can undo it? <laughs> I, for one, have been playing Mega Man ZX for the DS, and I was really enjoying the game at first. I thought it took the Mega Man Zero series, all of the best stuff from it, and improved on it and made meaningful contributions to the continuity of the greater Mega Man universe, and I thought it was great, and I had fun. And then they started offering me side quests, and I started going on them, and the rewards were pretty pathetic, and it required most of these side quests required me to replay areas that were really fun and challenging the first time around and just go back through them to find a tiny little item that was hidden in one of the 17 crates that are everywhere and take forever to destroy and do this over and over and over again with no indication of whether it's just here's a time waster to get you some extra credits or here's a time waster that will eventually pay off in some way. And it's it's been decreasing my opinion of the game. Ugh. And I know I don't need to take them, but I can play these side quests and have actually been making progress with them, and they seem different enough most of the time that I feel like I should, like I'm going to miss something, but I don't know. And the worst part of it is I'm now at the end of the game, and I kind of want it to last a little bit longer because I was enjoying it so much. Now I'm like, I don't want to beat it yet. I I was having fun. I want to play it a little longer. Maybe I'll do another side quest just to stretch this out any longer, and I'm kicking myself in the head for saying that. (laughs) I went back and collected all the big coins in New Super Mario Brothers Wii, like all of them. That was pretty hardcore. <laughs> and I think was what compelled me to do that was uh, I was playing it, uh, playing through it with my fiance, and we were we just were having an extremely fun time playing the game together. So once we got to the end and we realized there was a whole lot more for us to do, we just wanted to keep playing it. So it wasn't so it, it really almost had nothing to do with actually collecting the coins. Like the coins were just an excuse for us to go back and play all the levels again. I'm too lazy to even three-star the levels on Angry Birds. (laughs) Oh, actually, you know what? I thought of something that relates to that last topic about games you keep playing, even though you don't know why. I wrote a review about Kingdom for Keflings, an alright game. Meh. Just kind of middle of the road, not much to it. What was the game about again? uh, Keflings. There's a kingdom for them. (laughs) Thank you. You I feel so enlightened. You make it, and you build, like houses and uh you build like you know it's kind of like minecraft but lamer (laughs) did you play as your xbox avatar you do and that's really the selling point but i actually bought the sequel i bought world four keflings last week because it was on sale because i'm an idiot (laughs) my wife is disgusted with me now because she didn't know that (laughs) yes yeah, actually, uh, on on that train of thought, um, not so much uh, now, but I, I have been known in the past to uh, to go back uh, in Xbox 360 games to uh, collect achievements, even if it's a game I've already beaten in the game. I don't 
really feel like playing, I, I'm the, the one, one of the few things that will motivate me to, to go back and do side quests and do extra stuff. I love me some Chivos. Yeah. They, they do sucker me into, uh, to playing the games again. I was one of the many people that thought it was stupid at first and it's, no one's gonna care. And See, I thought I it was t- amazing as soon as I heard of it. That was like one of the top reasons I wanted an Xbox. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I totally have no idea it. why. I had no experience with them at that point and I, I still don't know what is so interesting about them, but I just hit 15,000, by the way. It's really cool. Woo. I, I have barely any games with, um, uh, go ahead, Christian. Okay, I, I thousand pointed, uh, Civilization Revolution last week. You did? Wow. I thought for sure I never ever would, and I did, and I was like, I am so proud of myself, I am a god of a nuts Because you couldn't earn the achievements playing online, and like, half the fun of that game is playing it online. Yeah. (laughs) That drove me nuts. I actually, um, I, I've, I don't think I've, I've gotten a thousand points in anything yet. I could be wrong. I've gotten 200 points in some of the, uh, Arcade games like uh, Monkey Island. Whenever. I think there's like four games where I've gotten all the achievements, and that was one I, versus a hundred is one of them. <laughs> yeah, I have like Monkey Island and and Death Spank. See, I keep finding myself going back whenever I'm recording something or have have any reason to be waiting for something to happen for more than 15 or 20 minutes. I find myself periodically going back to Mega Man 10, to, and the, which is one of the very, very few games that I own that has achievements because I'm an all-Nintendo and PC guy. And I, I just keep wondering why I'm trying to beat Blade Man on hard mode using just the blaster and not take any damage and do all of these absurd challenges that aren't actually fun. Mm-hmm. They're just there. And also trying to replay the endless attack mode to convince myself that maybe I do like this game a lot after all. Maybe this is not as, and it just never works. It's kind of an annoying problem with achievements in general when developers make one that is not, not fun to do. Yeah. Why, why, why are you, why are you telling me to do something that is actively not fun? There's one in um what's it called? Too Human for dying like a hundred times. <laughs> what if I'm really good? What if I don't want to die a hundred times? Well, Shouldn't uh, I get achievements for being awesome? In, uh, in You Don't Know Jack for getting negative a million dollars on a Jack attack. Yeah, and there's also one for uh playing a playing I think it's like five games alone on a Friday or Saturday <laughs> night. That's actually <laughs> funny. I like that. Yeah. There's there's also like one for uh Playing on Fourth of July. For yeah, like, yeah. Name it is says, like something like unpatriot or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and the description of it says, uh, uh, "Sit around at home playing video games instead of instead of uh, celebrating America." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of the most delightfully absurd achievements I've ever seen still remains the little Rocket Man from Half Life Two, uh, Episode One, I believe. Uh, launch the Garden Gnome that's in like the first level into space in the penultimate level. <laughs> and you just carry him with your gravity gun through the entire game and oh, don't God. let go of him and That's he gets cool. knocked around like crazy and the enemies attack him and <laughs> it's absurd <laughs> I I read someone's blog uh, they had journal entries on their adventures with this stupid garden gnome trying to get him through the game and launch him into space <laughs> it was great Jetty do you play any games with achievements Jetty Wow, our host has abandoned us. <laughs> he fell asleep. <laughs> I think he actually did. 
That's the true sign of a victorious podcast. This is going to be great. No, maybe he's going for an achievement of ignore the fellow podcasters for five minutes straight and don't talk to them, and then you unlock an achievement. 50 points. Achievement unlocked. You can come back now. I feel bad now. We're going to commit a homicide. Like, whoever the person is that listens to us while they drive, they're going to fall asleep at the wheel. Maybe maybe we should change topics. Something a little <laughs> more lively, then. Okay. Here's my topic. Uh, earlier today, I spent some time uh, browsing Yahoo Answers. Oh, I'm but, sorry. Yes, I am, too. That is a hotbed of idiocy. And I found a question uh, on there that I thought was kind of interesting. This is uh, I, I kissed a boy. Do I have AIDS? <laughs> this is from Yahoo Answers user John Parks. And this is in the video game section. Uh, John Parks would like to know, Why do many people get an attitude if you cheat online during gameplay? Many people wrote bad comments on my message just because I cheated, and why? <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. How do you guys feel about cheating in video games, and online or otherwise? I feel that a lot of people get really angry. I completely understand if people get angry when you play online. I know I just got... Team Fortress for the PS3, and there's tons of people that just hack their game, they put themselves in god mode, and it's worthless. It's it's completely worthless to play. But as far as cheating in a single-player game offline, I don't know why people get so mad about that. Who cares what you do? Do, do people get mad about that? People, I've seen people get all upset and angry and, like, you're disrespecting the game or something, like it's some kind of living entity. Do do a lot of games like even like have built-in cheat codes still? I feel like that isn't nearly as big a thing as it used to be in the uh, in the 16-bit era, but I could be wrong. It's not it's not the golden age age of cheats anymore, Mm. like the N64 with like big head mode in every Mm -hmm. game. But there's still some. I definitely used to to cheat a lot in the NES uh, Super Nintendo era, partially because I was I was little and was even worse (laughs) at games than I am today. Uh, and partially because it was a lot easier, uh, because you had things like Game Genie and Game Shark. Maybe those things still exist right now, but if they do, I don't, I don't see them around. I, they're not, uh, as, as well, well known, as well, I don't know, well something. Well distributed. Well distributed. As all over the place. Pervasive, perhaps. I know there's one for the Wii, but I think that's only if, like, your Wii is hacked. And you're playing mm. these like pirate games. I think you can run this thing called Ocarina through it, which is like a game genie. <laughs> I miss game genie. There's this really wonderful code in a uh, Secret of Mana for you don't uh, you don't take any damage, uh, but you also don't deal any damage. So we got this. I was playing with my friend. Uh, the, we were in the final battle, and we got to the point where I would I would stand at the game genie at the ready. So Whenever uh, the enemy was attacking, he would say, "Come on, turn it off, turn it on, or turn it on, turn it on." And I would do that, and then, and then it was it was very epic and actually kind of boring. Now that I'm talking about it, so someone say something else. My all-time favorite game genie code that I discovered because you could create your own game genie codes was the one in the original Super Mario Brothers where jumping killed you. <laughs> Boy, did that make the game interesting. <laughs> Turns it into about a four-second game. Three and a half. Remember on the on the N sixty four with Game Shark, it was really easy to create and and edit your own codes. Like me and my friend would play Mario sixty four 
uh, there was a code called Limbo Mario where he would bend himself backwards and do the limbo whenever you ran. <laughs> um, so we, 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 we toyed around with the code until he just kept bending backward and backward and backward until his head was literally in his butt whenever he ran. It was, it was really <laughs> exciting. I think, I don't know if I've seen that, but I know I've seen a lot of hacks that make it weird. Like ROM hacks. But yeah, cheating online, I think, I think you're right. I think it's definitely a, a, an entirely different beast than cheating when you're just playing by yourself, because, yeah. yeah, like, what's, what's the point? <laughs> what do you, what do you get out of, out of a victory that you've earned by cheating? Like, what, why? Because what is you're that, what still you won. It's the same kind of thing where with people trying to, to use hacks to, to, to get achievement points or like to pay someone else to get achievements for them. Yeah. It just, it seems so pointless to me. Like the I like, I've, as we've discussed, I don't like achievements as much as the next guy, but like what, what are you, what are you proving by paying someone 50 bucks to go earn a bunch of achievements for you? Yeah, that I, which is actually understood. something that people do. Yeah. I know. It's like, what, do you not want to have fun with the game? Like, what's the point? You are paying someone to play a video game for you. Well, yeah. there are people who don't play games to have fun. There are people who play games to win, who play games to have those achievements. But again, like... Well, yeah, but how can you be proud about that? Hey! Where did you come from? <laughs> we missed you. Yes, I missed me too. But yeah, if, if but you... you so win, anyway... Like, how, how, how have you won? That's, that's, not, that's not winning. It you is! You, that's, that's you conquered everyone else. You achieved your goal. It's winning. But wait, what? Is, your goal is specifically to win, not to do better than the other person. So you've won by winning. But like, why? Why is just winning the goal though? Because they're douchebags. <laughs> douchebags. They they live by different rules. <laughs> they live by the the manual of douchebaggery. And number one is always win at all costs. Seems pointless to me. Yeah. So what did I miss? We missed you. You we d- we've merged. Jetty, you missed us. Me asking you. <laughs> <sighs> we talked about achievements and cheat codes. Thank you, Paul. And I, I I was gonna ask you <laughs> if you played any games that had achievements. I don't play modern games. That doesn't matter. Old games can you can make achievements for old games. I've seen it. I got the high score. Yeah, that's an achievement. But it's not an achievement with a with a capital A though. No. See, that's the thing. Um, I don't like game specific achievements. I only like well, the ones with the capital A that that tie into my Microsoft account or my PlayStation account. For some reason, if any anything else, if I'm earning medals in a game or awards, it does it does not tap into the same part of my brain that no. Microsoft achievements does. And actually, I would extend that to the PS3's achievements, too. I'm not... I don't care about the trophies. I don't care when it says, you unlocked a trophy. I'm like, I don't care. I like them, but I don't like them as much, just because it's a little more difficult to see how many I have. Yeah. It doesn't just show up when I push the the PlayStation button. I have to go into this menu, and then it takes, like, 20 minutes to to sync. Xbox just makes it easier to wave around your video game penis. (laughs) Are we talking about using the, uh... Connect again. <laughs> it makes it easier in a great many ways. So I didn't miss out on much. No. no. Objection. <laughs> we use your suggestions. Yes. 
yeah. poorly, but we do. <laughs> I, I could probably dig up another Yahoo uh, answer if anyone wants it. Uh-oh. Oh no! I think we should have a Yahoo Answers section on every episode. What did I, I miss? love Yahoo Answers. Well, here's here's the second one I got. Okay. All right. The uh the the topic the um yes the the title of this question. Boring gas problems. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and the question is this. I know this kid called Gaz, and my god, he is boring. <laughs> All he plays is UT, uh, Unreal Tournament, I guess, and, and Call of Duty. I really want to make him cool, but I don't know how to approach him, and I'm really scared, but I don't want him to get bullied anymore. Advice, please. Also, I can duplicate players. What? What? <laughs> what? In what? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> There's so many there's so many questions that are spawned from that question. I just like how it, it took such a depressing turn toward the end. <laughs> it was like he's super boring. Like, I thought that was kind of a humorous start and at the end I don't want him to get bullied anymore. Oh. He gets his ass kicked every day in school. <laughs> and I if only he would play more Call of Duty that wouldn't be a problem. And his name is Gaz? His name is Gaz. Boring Gaz problems blah blah blah. Actually uh this post was uh, secretly posted by Gaz himself. So I have this friend who's really boring, and this friend, he plays a lot of Unreal Tournament. Um, and there, there were a couple of responses. Uh, one of them was, just one word, Halo. Which I'm not really sure how that solves the problem, because yeah. if he's already just playing uh, your standard shooting games, how does playing another one help? Yeah. Um, but also, two separate people responded saying something else, and I'm trying to figure out, is this like some kind of internet meme that I'm not aware of? Maybe, maybe you guys can help me with this. Both uh, Charlie Ba and Brian Badonde responded with, Black Gary, Bob Lamb. I have no idea. <laughs> Anyone, can someone please tell me what that means? Because <laughs> two people independent of one another, apparently. Unless maybe they're all friends and that's some inside I... joke. I just did a search for Black Gary Bablam, and it only brought up boring gas problems, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so those two people are just linked at the brain, and they make no sense at all. It's It's got to be some kind of inside joke, maybe. Like, maybe yeah. maybe one of these people are gas, or they all know gas. Maybe yeah. that's something gas says all the time. Yeah. yeah, it's something they're making fun of their friend gas, who's in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> Who else has a topic? I have a topic. All right. The topic is, do we lower our standards with video games? Meaning, is what we consider to be a good comedic game the same thing we would consider to be a good comedic movie or a good dramatic game, a good storyline, a dramatic game? If that was a movie, would we still think it was good or even a book or something? All right, next. Actually, yeah, it's, it's bringing to mind, um, I think Stu Jip wrote about this on Game Cola uh, maybe a year or two ago. Uh, he was arguing that there is no such thing as video game humor because uh, what we consider humorous in video games, we would never actually consider humor if we were seeing it in a TV show or a movie. Oh, did he? I was actually going to write something like that a year oh, ago, yeah. but then oh, I quit. He did it already. Sorry. Well, okay. <laughs> um, which, which probably stuck in my mind most because he was specifically dissing uh, Monkey Island and other classic adventure <laughs> games. Um, and that's exactly, yeah. I, I completely agree. Even Portal, which everyone says is just the greatest thing ever, so hilarious. 
watch someone else play it as a movie. I mean, it's funny. You'll get a chuckle. But is it hilarious? No, not really. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's it, a lot of it's got to do with the fact that video games are situational. That you yeah. are in these situations, and that these things are happening to you, and that you control the pace of, in this instance, the humor. Where you're the one who's playing an adventure game and trying to combine banana with cannonball and seeing the <laughs> hilarious results. So it's it's because it's all under your control. Because yeah, see, we both laughed when Nathaniel said that. Also, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. I just thought I'd point Please that do. out. <laughs> No, that was that was the entire point. No, 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 interrupt me. Go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> My entire point was just that me and Christian both both burst out into chuckles when you mentioned uh, the the idea of combining a, a cannonball with a banana. So I think there's a fair point. Like like that's something specifically like very specific to adventure games like that clearly wouldn't work in a TV show because it's not how TV shows work. They don't. Well, I yeah. guess there's MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Well, com- comedy aside, comedy is kind of unfair to uh, to compare to video games because comedy is all about timing, and you just don't have that in video games. But even drama, even dramatic stories, they'd probably just look goofy and hokey in a real I, in a movie. I think that was the internet's one of the internet's big complaints about Heavy Rain was, yeah, sure, it's it's a good story for a video game, but compare it to any well-written movie and it, and it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, there's, I, I think there's two parts to this. The first part is that we also haven't been looking at the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to movies, because there is some <laughs> incredibly lowbrow humor, low, Wait, there, there are bad movies. Yeah. Whoa. And, and things that would make any video game, regardless of the plot or humor level, look like comic gold. Oh, well, and it's, it's probably fair to say that the the best story in the best video game is probably a lot better than the worst story in the worst movie. Sure, but if you look at the best story in the best video game, it may not hold up to the best movie. Yeah, and that's that's also because of the situational aspect of it. That's because you control it, and there needs to be that interactive bit in my mind for it to qualify as a game. If all you have are cutscenes, then it's really no different than a movie. Um, it, part of it, part of what gives the movies the advantage is that you've got acting, and not just voice acting, but you've got facial expressions. You're not just having people stand there and sort of wave their arms around. Mm-hmm. And I know that what was it, L.A. System LA noir, noir. PD thing, yeah, that one noir um, has facial expressions, which I'm sure will be a great step forward in storytelling because that's part of acting, right there. It isn't just standing and waving your arms around in circles like you know Stan the salesman from Monkey Island all day long. That's not <laughs> the example I was thinking of too. I was actually going to bring up the whole acting deal, and that I guess perhaps video games could be more compared to books, although at this point. Like, if you were to get back far enough in video games, the video games with stories basically were just books, like old RPGs, then actually video games have horrible stories, and they don't compare to books at all, <laughs> and books are far superior. Yeah, you could say the uh, same thing comparing books to movies, though. Could you? Well, don't don't books... Well, again, the best book has a better story than the best movie, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just like but the best movie, the best well, story-driven... Movie probably has a better story than the best story-driven game. It's it's also the medium because books have strictly your imagination to work with, whereas movies 
you can imagine that the special effect is cooler than it really is, but there's a very large visual and audio aspect in addition to just the general content, the the plot, the actors, all there's there's so many aspects of a movie and there's even more aspects of a video game because you've also got the gameplay, you've got the controls, you've got the pacing, you've got the challenge level difficulty, you've got all of these other things to focus on that it's right. it's a different experience to have a thoroughly satisfying movie or book than it is to have a thoroughly satisfying video game. And yeah. a plot only makes up a small or medium portion of any game. True. Your princess is in another castle. <laughs> Great plot line. It's, it, I mean, it's it's certainly arguable that uh, it's a lot easier to have a good video game without a good story than it is for a movie or a book. Yeah. Well, you just have a lot of things blow up. Yeah. I mean, maybe not the book. That would be hazardous to your hands. <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked Live Free or Die Hard. Lots of explosions in that movie. That was great. <laughs> and it's it's also that we haven't... Video games started out as games, as challenges. You're playing Pong, you're playing Asteroids, you're playing Breakout. These aren't things that have a strong storyline, whereas books from the get-go, if you... You know, if you're talking about a standard novel, if mm-hmm. you don't have a story or characters, unless you're doing something very unique, you're probably not going to go yeah. anywhere. I mean, it's they not they, be they the kind of inherently need to have a story in order to yeah. be enjoyable. If Hold if on. you look at the progression of video games, it's they've been getting story heavier. They've been getting more interesting and more complex in the storylines as time has gone on, for the most part. Not necessarily all across the board, but in general, the maximum amount of storyage has been increasing, and I can only imagine that that will continue to increase as you get people who are writers and storytellers <laughs> into the mix, and not just people who really only care about designing the game and not writing it. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure how true that is for you know any story-driven game, but I imagine that it will only continue to get better. Are you trying to tell me that uh, Breakout does not have a great story. But uh, are you familiar with Arkanoid? Yes. Great story, thank you. <laughs> does, does Arkanoid actually have a story, Jetty? It does. Yes, when you... When <laughs> really? <laughs> when, the, uh, when the arcade game goes into its uh, demo mode, it does, in fact, tell you about uh, Doe. Yep. Doe, the, the ship, Doe. Hold on, I, I'm pulling it up on Wikipedia. The game opens with a monologue stating the following. The time and era of this story is unknown. After the mothership Arkanoid was destroyed, a spacecraft Vaus scrambled away from it, but only to be trapped in space, warped by someone. That's cool, right? Yeah. I, I knew it had a storyline because I know that Super Nintendo one is called Arkanoid. I think it's called, like, Doe It Again, which yeah, I yeah, always yeah. thought was a really inept Simpsons reference. <laughs> I just I would always see it and I'd be like, why would you even force a Simpsons reference in there? It doesn't even make sense. But yes. then later I learned that's like something in the story, a name of a ship or something. Yeah, do it again and uh, revenge of Doe. <laughs> I think I, you guys are making this up. Not, <laughs> I don't believe you at all. I uh, I used to play this game a lot. It came, I want to say, for some reason it was on my old computer and. Uh, it had, like, an editor mode, which I thought was awesome. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. But yes, I do recall the story of Doe. Breakout did have a story, technically. Arkanoid. 
Arkanoid. But it, it does not quite compare to the stories of most modern movies, one, one could argue. <laughs> Did you not hear him regaling you with a tale of dough? <laughs> I already forgot what all of it was. <laughs> and and to so be fair, I. Uh, I also forgot most of the story of Heavy Rain after I stopped playing it, so... All I know about it is, Jason! <laughs> and it had a really terrible twist in it, which I won't spoil. But. It was spoiled for me, so the whole time I was like, come on, just get it over with. Uh, see, I wasn't expecting, like, I, I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be that, uh, mostly because they didn't foreshadow it at all, and it didn't make any sense. I accidentally saw it on the internet. I was very sad. Oh, that's kind of a drag. Yeah, it's it a story-based game. You don't want to have that kind of thing spoiled for you. I know. It, it bummed me out the whole time. Neat game, though. I, I, like could see it, I could see it happening in front of me, the the twist. Uh, and I was like, oh, man. Is someone in an airplane? Yeah, spoiler alert. It turns out that the murderer was actually Aris. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Wasn't expecting that one. So what was the original topic? Uh, oh. Arkanoid. No, before that. Uh, Workout. No. Welcome to the podcast. Nathaniel, what were we talking about? Objection. <laughs> well, we, we were talking about a whole bunch of things, and we, we sort of morphed into all sorts of different topics that we don't even recognize where we are anymore. So maybe we should move on to something else. Maybe. Okay, next topic. Hmm. I'm just looking at my list to see if I anything quick we could talk about. Well, I always enjoyed it when we ended with the games that we're currently playing. It's always a nice way to wrap things up. All right, why not? We haven't done that in a while, actually. We have. Uh, it's been a while since we last talked about what games we're playing now, so let's go for it. The last game I played was Space Dudes. <laughs> I don't think it counts if you were playing it on your cell phone just before the podcast started. <laughs> it was the last game I was playing. Oh, before that. I believe it was Breakout. <laughs> <laughs> Freak attack, thank you. Uh, I'll let somebody else go first. Well, I already mentioned I was playing Mega Man ZX, so I guess that doesn't really count. And I'm I'm miffed, I'm I'm amused and miffed at the same time that it doesn't require the stylus at all. It's a DS game that does not require the stylus at all. Uses the lower screen a couple times for a couple things, but then there's one weapon that. When you use it, you have to use the stylus to draw the attack pattern of your weapon. And then the rest of the time, you just put it back into the slot. So, I don't know. I I guess you can cut out everything I say from the podcast. <laughs> so it's like they just got like 90% through the game development. They're like, oh, that's right, DS. Uh, it's, it's a great idea. It's just impractical. I mean, if, if this were like a turn-based RPG, I wouldn't mind redrawing my attack pattern ever so often, but this is a fast-paced, boom-boom action kind of game, and to stop and say, okay, well, this enemy's far up above my head, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to draw the squiggly line that goes up. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that every time. But it's still fun. I also just got done playing Donkey Kong Country 2, which I've played before a couple of times, but I was actually showing my fiancé the game, because it's nice to have someone who appreciates watching video games. Ah, which is another topic I was going to talk about, which maybe we can save for another podcast. Games that are more fun to watch being played than actually playing them. But it, it was entertaining to play through Donkey Kong Country 2 for an audience. Actually, uh, to, to segue off of that... Um I'm playing a game right now that would be much more entertaining if I was watching someone else play it. 
Um, actually, I think this has probably come up on the podcast before, but I'm still playing Lifeline. <laughs> I I kind of play it, you know, for like one night. I'll just play a couple hours standing. This is this is the voice activated adventure game, voice controlled adventure game for anyone uh, who was not listening whenever I talked about it before. So you have to tell your character go left, go right, use a heal potion, and no, most of the time she just runs directly at the enemy and gets killed. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a game that I I'm currently playing, and I also feel it'd be. It, I, in fact, I know for a fact it's much more interesting to watch someone play because I've done it before, and it's hilarious <laughs> to watch them. That is really the quintessential party game, really. Yeah, <laughs> everyone <laughs> just can is. just laugh. I think that that might if if it wasn't if if it was possible, I think that might make a fun let's play for the YouTube channel. Actually, oh, it would. Uh, so um, I'm still playing that. Like I said, about an hour every couple weeks or so. Uh, that's about how often I can work up the energy to do it. Also playing uh, with my fiance, we're playing through and almost finished uh, the longest journey adventure game from the from the early zeros, I believe. I believe the term is odds, <laughs> and it has a very apt title. I will say that. <laughs> uh, also playing Secret of Evermore, which is awesome. I oh. can't believe I, I didn't discover this game when I was little because it's 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 Secret of Mana, but 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 different. Except for that, the multiplayer, which is kind of lame. But it's, yes, but it's same same gameplay, same exact gameplay, Secret of Mana. And since I love Secret of Mana, I am also thoroughly enjoying this game. Uh, and finally, I'm I finally started playing Fallout New Vegas, which came out last year. I just bought it over the weekend, actually, uh, because there is a blockbuster near me that's closing down, and they were selling their Fallout New Vegas's for twenty dollars. Oh, they have the best deals sometimes. I I you know I, I thought I thought it would be better to be honest. Like, yeah. They well, they had like thirty copies of Fallout New Vegas. They're closing down next week. What else are they going to do with these things? I know. I'm <laughs> so surprised because more. I often see pretty good games in there for like seven dollars, and some a lot of times they buy one get one free. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, when you posted about that on Game Call uh, maybe last year, I yeah. ran out and I got like six new games. That was great. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got I, a whole I, bunch. I, it's it's amazing there. We're going out of business sale is not nearly as good as we're doing pretty well in business sale. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really understand how that worked. But yeah, I've been playing Fallout New Vegas. Um, I think, thankfully, I'm playing it uh, long enough after the game was released that uh, there are, there shouldn't be nearly as many bugs as there were when everyone else was playing it. I did hear uh, it was buggy at first. Yeah. I actually, I haven't run into really anything yet, so that's cool. Uh, it's it's fun. I mean... It's almost exactly the same game as, as Fallout 3, except in a different part of the country. So if you liked that game, you'll like this one. And I loved Fallout 3. Uh, that's it. I'm also playing a couple indie games, but I'll be talking about them more in my Minus the Pudding column, which may or may not be already posted by the time this podcast goes up. Yeah. And currently I am playing Tales of Vesperia, because I got about halfway through the game before, and then Microsoft has decided to delete my save game. So it took me about a year to muster the strength <laughs> to get back to the game and play it again. But now I'm back to about where I was before. And that's really the only game I'm playing right now because I'm anticipating the oncoming flood of games I'm going to be buying soon. Starting in two weeks with Portal 2. Oh, is that coming out that soon? It is, in two weeks and then... The next month, L.A. Noir and Brink, and the next month, a game called Catherine is coming out that I want, and a bunch <laughs> of others. <laughs> is that game actually going to be good though, or is it just going to be weird? <laughs> Catherine, I don't yeah. know. I'm interested in the plot line. 
I have it pre-ordered, but if more comes out that makes it look like it's just going to be stupid, then I'll probably cancel yeah, I think the pre-order. I've seen uh, some video of the gameplay, and isn't it walking up and down staircases? Uh, that's that's all I've seen so far, and if that <laughs> is truly all there is to it, if that's truly all there is to it, then I'm not going to get it. Yeah, I mean, it might be one of those kind of games where the gameplay is kind of meh, but it's so weird and bizarre that it's worth playing through the gameplay to, to get to the story bits. That's kind of what I'm banking on. Yeah. Like, it, it's trying something new. It's trying a weird storyline. So I figure, you know, I'll give it a chance. Come to think of it, I'm actually shocked at how many modern games I've been playing this year and a little bit before the beginning of this year because I'm going back and forth between allegedly playing Dragon Warrior 4 and Back to the Future of the Game. And there there feels like there's something missing between those two. <laughs> 20 years? <laughs> Maybe not that long. But... Oh, and I, I talk of Portal, and here's a commercial for it on Discovery Channel right now. Oh. <laughs> You watch TV when not, you're on the podcast? Not when, this, not when this podcast comes out. It is not, you don't have to change your channels. Christian, <laughs> have you been playing uh, You Don't Know Jack at all? I have been a little bit. I've been trying to save it for when me and my wife or me and my cousin can play it together rather right. than just screwing it all up and using all the uh, the games on my myself. Johnson and I have been playing it almost every day since it came out. We're a very interesting couple <laughs> who do very exciting things. Um, we it's, just, it's weird. It, they've, they've, they've changed a few things since the last one. It took me a little while to get used to. I um, missed the gibberish questions. Yeah. It's, it, it seems almost too streamlined. Like, it seems to go a little too fast now. Like, you don't get to choose the, the, the question that you're going to talk to, or that you're going to yeah. answer anymore. It, it, it almost goes too fast for me, too fast to, to really take in how, how great the humor is. Yeah, I still really like it. I still think it's really great. Oh, yeah. But... I would like it if if you could still choose your question, even though choosing the question didn't matter. No. <laughs> as you could think it's about the Flintstones, and it turns out it's about string theory. But I, I mean, I personally just liked the, the the pause. I think it was the pause in between each question that I liked. I don't know. Yeah. I think that for some reason that added something to the game for me. But I, the I, the reason they did that is because uh, I mean, I believe it's to avoid uh, question repetition. Like the way the game is set up for anyone who doesn't know is that. You you play individual episodes of the game. Yeah, it's episodic. <laughs> uh, so each episode has its own set of twenty questions, and then you play that, and then there's like I don't know, like seventy more episodes that you can play. So instead of starting the game uh, and just the game generates questions from its database for you to answer, there's like seventy whatever episodes of the game you can play. And you can actually follow Cookie Masterson on Facebook. You can, really? Yeah, I'm following him. Apparently, I haven't actually seen this, but I've kind of heard around that the things he talks about in, on his Facebook will actually come up in the game. You'll hear the interns in the intro in the beginning actually talk about the things he said that day. So wow. it's like they planned everything he's going to say for the next like year. Go and it him. triggers in the game or something. That's what I've heard. That might not be the case at all, but that's what I've heard. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a fun game. I'm, I'm very, very, very glad that they brought that back. Yeah, I would like the I would have liked the option for the like the 21 question game back though. It's yeah, a little short, but I mean I could just play a bunch. Oh, that's right. It's it's only 10 questions long, isn't it? Plus a jacket yeah. attack. I, I think I said 20 earlier, but yeah, that's that's the other thing that bothered me was that that's the other thing that makes it so short. Besides uh, taking away the option to choose your question, is that 
um, there are fewer questions <laughs> per game. Anyone else playing video games? I don't think I play video games. Oh. What are you doing here? I know, right? Jetty, you you do not have an Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I have an actual reason why I'm I'm mentioning this to you in particular. I've noticed I've been noticing lately uh, a lot of 16-bit SNES style RPGs in the indie games channel on Xbox 360. Really? Which may it may it makes me think of you. Well, see, I I had vaguely considered getting uh, the Xbox 360 because I know uh, you know you can develop for it. Yes. And uh, I had tossed around the idea of uh, actually trying to do something with that, but uh, as I don't even really have time to play video games, I don't really have the time to uh, program them anymore, sadly. There's there's one game in particular that's coming out uh, for the PC, actually, yeah. that I played on Xbox that I think you should check out, Uh-oh. called Cthulhu Saves the World. Yes, I believe you mentioned this one before. I, 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 I wrote about it in Minus the Pudding a little while yeah. ago. You would like it, that's all I'm going to say. Probably. I played the demo and it was fun. Yeah, it's only oh wait no that one's three dollars my three dollars and that's, that's why I don't own it because yeah, it's too rich for my blood. Yeah, actually that sword and hammer game or whatever that I was talking about earlier in the show also three dollars. <laughs> this is a fifteen minute long game. Outrage. Which I guess if you're not familiar with with the Xbox Live Indie Game Service that sounds kind of ridiculously cheap for a video game, but um, the the games on there range from one dollar to three dollars. So, it's one of the more expensive ones there. There are the occasional $5. Are there really? Those people are flying a little too close to the sun, if you ask me. What they need to do is is uh, let indie games have achievements. And this is actually going to come up in versus mode uh, very shortly. Oh. It, in fact, it should be up already. But if, if uh, indie games had achievements, I would buy all of them. I would buy more. Yeah, yeah I would buy I would more. I wish especially I the little $1 ones, if I was like interested in it, and it had 50 gamer points, I would do it. Yeah. 50, 100 gamer points for indie games, 200 or 250 or whatever they do for the arcade, yeah. and 1,000 for the full games. I could live with that. <laughs> this is how achievement-obsessed I am. <laughs> yep. Then I could finally get my 50 points of achievement in Fishing Girl. <laughs> Yikes. So unless anyone else has uh, any games they want to talk about, I think that might be it for the Game Cola podcast. Woo! Yay. Sounds like a resounding no. All right. <clears throat> Before we let you go, um, a few quick housekeeping things. Uh, check us out on Twitter. We are at GameCola. If you if you uh, follow us there, you will get an update on your on your Twitters whenever we post a new article to the site. Uh, go on Facebook, search for GameCola, like us. Pretty much the same deal as Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, GC.net. That's the letters GC and the word dot, and the word net. We have all kinds of Let's Play-esque videos, uh, lots of other random stuff. Christian Porter has a Speak American series on there. That uh, Games that don't. If, you, if you're not already, you can subscribe to the Game Cola podcast on iTunes, and if you do that, please give us a really, really high rating, like like as high as it can possibly go. That would be... I don't, I don't, I don't want low ratings. If you're going to go on there and, and give us a low rating, just don't do it. I, I don't want any sense of objectivity here. I just want high ratings. I don't if you I don't need accuracy if, if you don't think we deserve it. I don't care. He's the J. Jonah Jameson of video game blogs. <laughs> I only want ratings. High ratings. And finally, you're probably aware of this already. If you're not, we have an actual internet website. Whoa. 
<gasps> Gamecola.net, and this time it's the actual period, the dot, and then the word net. Yeah, and I'm going to make the same joke that I made last time and say the letter dot. <laughs> Gamecola.net. There's lots of really good stuff on there. That's my big pitch. And now it is farewell. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for everybody. Everybody, thank you for uh, coming, and everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank, thank you, you for, for letting us thank you. Thanks. Anyway, thank you everyone for coming to the podcast. Thank you for everyone for listening to the podcast. This has been GameCola Podcast number 36. Email us at podcast at gamecola.net. By the way, this is not going in the podcast. <laughs> I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> this isn't the fun fun part at the end after the theme song.